Hello and welcome back to another episode of Football Chants and Rants with the Plants with me, Lauren. And me, Graham. And we are dad and daughter rounding up all the football across the top five English divisions. Again, it's been a super busy week as always. There seem to be quite a few injuries at the moment. Is that related, do you reckon, directly to the amount of matches that they're playing? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is, yeah. Is it a chance that the players aren't warming up properly or is it just their bodies and fatigue? I guess it's just lots of games, short space of time and fatigue. And it seems to be for all divisions, really. But like I said, we're going to be rounding up the top five and we're going to have some rants and some raves and some barnets in amongst all that. So to start off with, I'm going to round up the Premier League. Again, a really busy weekend. The first match I wanted to mention was the six-goal thriller at Old Trafford. Man United versus Everton. It ended up being 3-3, but you could really say that it was three points dropped by United. They were 2-0 up at half-time. Then Everton came back 2-2. Then United were 3-2 up with a couple of minutes left to go. And um, then we watched we watched it live and Calvert-Lewin got a last-minute equaliser, literally in Fergie time. Um, could you say it was a night of goalkeepers' mistakes from De Gea and Olsen? Uh, looked like it, yeah. What do you reckon about De Gea? Is he going to last much longer at Man United? Do you think his heydays are over, really? Well, he's got a few years left in him, um, so I, don't know, I think he'll be there a while. And Everton is still around the Europa places, but that's one win now in the last four matches for United. But overall, what you could say is that Edison Cavani seems to offer them... Um, something different to when Anthony Martial's on the pitch. Who would you have starting over, um, Cavani or Martial? Cavani all day long. Yeah, Greenwood and Rashford seem to thrive off having a centre forward. So promising for Man United um, overall from their performance, but concerned that they let it slip in the last minute. And then you had Newcastle versus Southampton. On paper, you might not have thought it'd be a match with too many goals, but it turned out to be five goals within the match. 3-2 to Newcastle. Um, a brilliant result for them and um, excellent win after they went down to 10 men after Hendricks sending off in the 49th minute and then nine men when Shah got injured with 20 minutes to go. So they managed to hold on and get the win and uh, it seems to be turning a corner now for Newcastle after a winless run of 11 matches. They've now taken six points from their last nine available. I've got to say that Almiron, Willock, uh, St. Maximan and Wilson all up, to up front seem to be looking really good. Worrying times released for Southampton. They lost the last five league games on the bounce. Any reason as to why you think Southampton are struggling at the moment? Uh, not sure, really. No, I don't know. Um, I think Minamino looks pretty decent. He came in and got an opening goal. I'm mentioning loans later, but Willock obviously got a goal for Newcastle. So interesting to see a couple of the loanees coming in and getting goals straight away. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure about Southampton. Maybe the amount of matches they've had or defence looking a bit dodgy at the moment. And then the last match I wanted to mention was Aston Villa versus Arsenal. I seem to always be mentioning Villa at the moment. And again, another brilliant win. Just Ollie Watkins' second-minute goal was enough to seal the deal. But I think the performance overall sums up Aston Villa this season. Solid in defence, exciting at top. Just a really good balanced team. They're now on 35 points. So that's matching their overall points tally that they got last season. So um, what's been the change for them? What happened from last season to this season? Uh, I guess Watkins, plus they seem to have, you know, they got a centre forward, didn't have a centre forward at all last season, so they never really had the opportunity to have a target man, but they just seem to have clicked this year. 
Yeah, exactly. I think the people that have brought in, Ollie Watkins, Martinez and Goal's been brilliant, obviously getting a clean sheet against his old team. And Matt Cash, uh, which team did Matt Cash come from? In the uh, Forest. Yeah, that's it. So I think those three players in particular, obviously keeping Grealish as well. And then on Sunday, you had the big match at Anfield, Liverpool versus Man City. And I think at half time when it was nil-nil, Everyone was kind of underwhelmed and thought, oh, maybe it's not going to be the match that we all hoped it would be. But then from the second half, it all got going, really. Obviously, Gundogan missed a penalty in the first half, but he made up for that in the second half um, by getting two goals. It was 1-1 at one point when Salah had the penalty, 63 minute. But Man City came back, 4-1. A real, real coming-of-age performance from Phil Foden, who just stood out amongst a fantastic City team. So really exciting just to be watching, you know, the young English midfielder thriving under the new system with Pep Guardiola finally getting the match time that he deserves, really. So, um, yeah, Sterling also got a goal. He seems to be coming back in form and just a really dominating performance from City. The Liverpool goals were so soft. I think Alisson had a bit of a shocker, really, with those ones trying to play out from the back, just gone horribly wrong. But overall, a well-deserved victory for Man City. And it makes the table look even more interesting. So they sit on top now, having played 22 games with 50 points. Man U are now five points off them and City still got a game in hand. Liverpool now, fourth in the table. And they are 10 points off City and they've played one more. So you'd think now that is potentially their title chances gone. And then they've also got Chelsea now, who are only just one point behind them, play the same number of games. So the top of the table is looking really interesting, but at the moment City seem to be pulling clear of the other pack. So uh, overall, a really entertaining match and a fantastic result for City and Pep Guardiola. So that's my roundup from the Premier League. Okay, so the championship, the Friday night match was a big match, Swansea versus Norwich, uh, and Swansea beat Norwich 2-0. There were two goals just to either side of half-time, uh, Ayu and Hurahan again, another loney from Villa, doing really well. He's got three goals in three games. This was a 25-yard effort, so a brilliant win for Swansea. Puts them two points behind Norwich uh, with a game in hand. Uh, Norwich did have 60% possession, uh, but only had one shot on target, so they've not scored or won in the last three championship matches, Norwich. So, yeah, on a bit of a funny run, but Daniel Farker confident that they can uh, keep going and uh, get promoted, which they need to do, obviously. Next one, Middlesbrough-Brentford. Uh, Middlesbrough in seventh, not one in four matches. Uh, Brentford on an absolute fantastic run. This was their 20th league game unbeaten. Wow, that's ridiculous. 4-1 uh, at uh, Middlesbrough. Uh, Middlesbrough went one up with a David Raya own goal. Uh, Raya went on to have a brilliant match, actually. It was 1-1 at half-time, 4-1 at full-time. Two more goals from Ivan Tony. That's six in his last three games. 22 league goals. He's leaving Adam Armstrong behind in his work as he uh, builds up all those goals. Doing absolutely brilliant. Apparently, it was a great match. Neil Warnock was more than happy with the Middlesbrough performance. He's never been so chuffed with a 4-1 defeat before. Played really well. Both teams had six shots on target. So, yeah, cracking match and Brentford just unstoppable at the moment. Their goal difference is huge compared to Norwich. Actually, 13 goals better than Norwich. So, uh, they're in a brilliant position and look really strong candidates to get promoted. 
And the last one, uh, Bournemouth against Birmingham. Uh, this is a real backwards and forwards end-to-end game. Bournemouth been on a bit of a funny run. They'd lost the previous four league matches. Obviously, they'd let Tyndall, uh, the manager, go. He'd been there 22 years, actually, uh, in different roles. So that was a big decision for them. They've given it temporarily to Jonathan Woodgate, ex-Middlesbrough. John Terry tipped as favourite to get the job permanently, which would be really interesting. He deserves a chance, that's for sure. Ended up 3-2 for Bournemouth. Gets them back into sixth place. Uh, and actually pushes Birmingham into the bottom three now. Interesting season for both teams. Yes, a brilliant win for Bournemouth. Right, time for a rave now. And um, my rave is very important, actually, as to what's happened with football this week and the introduction of permanent concussion substitutions. So it's a trial run till the end of the season, but you'd think that it's probably might just get a bit more refined and then definitely from next season, there'll be more of a permanent feature. But I suppose it was made clear after the Jimenez and Louise clash a couple of months back, it brought to attention that concussions probably hasn't been dealt with fantastically in football in comparison to rugby. I know it's, it happens uh, often in rugby, but yeah, so basically there is this new trial in place. It took me a while just to wrap my head around it, but obviously if the referee stops a match for a potential concussion, the medical staff will obviously enter the field and make an assessment while the tunnel doctor will review the video footage. So if there's obviously clear symptoms of concussion, then the team will be permitted to replace that player with a permanent concussion substitution. The concussed player cannot return back onto the field because I think in rugby they can, can't they? They get assessed, is that right? Uh, yeah, they can come back on. Yeah, yeah, so they can't in football and each team gets a maximum of two concussion substitutions. So you get your three normal subs and then you get your two concussion subs. I do have to wrap my head around about, I think you can take a normal sub instead of a concussion sub, but overall, what are we thinking about it? Well, it can only be good, of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think literally in the first match that they had it, we suddenly saw two players have a head collision. So it's definitely the right thing to do. And it's uh, exciting to see that's where football going, just taking the issue a little bit more seriously. And my rave is actually about somebody who probably had lots of um, head concussions in his time, Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, the um, Everton number two, I guess you'd call him. Yeah. I just thought it was, it was very... Um, Interesting to watch him during the match against Leeds where he ended up as the, uh, seemed to be the fourth official. He had the (laughs) board in his hand. He was doing the substitution numbers or whatever you want to call it, uh, duties. And it felt like every time after he did it, they were doing lots of substitutions just to keep him happy. And um, He loved it. He did love it. And as he said, it put a smile on his face. It was a good win actually for Everton that night. So he brought him a bit of good luck. And uh, as the commentator said, nobody would tell him not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a big old lump, Duncan Ferguson. What a brilliant player he was, actually. Uh, so, yeah, my rave is Duncan Ferguson, fourth official at Leeds. He had a bit more airtime yesterday as well. Did you see his reaction when Calvert-Lewin scored the equaliser at Old Trafford? He oh, yeah, yeah. Running down. I don't think... Um, he's loving it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. League One roundup now. So I looked back on Friday night. It was a big result for Lincoln away to Gillingham. 3-0 to Lincoln City. Obviously, we're going into the match top. Ended Gillingham's four-match unbeaten run. Back to winning ways, obviously, for the Imps. And so they now remain top on three points clear. Uh, it was goals from McGrandles, Grant and Hopper. So really good result for Lincoln on Friday. 
And uh, before the match, Hull could have gone top on goal difference, but they lost away to Burton Albion. Obviously, Burton Albion are rock bottom and Hull are pushing for top spot. So um, it was a real turn up from the books, really, for Burton Albion scoring that one. And it was a deadline day signing, Johnny Smith from Bristol City, who struck the 90th minute winner. Um, you can imagine if the fans were in, that would have been amazing. It's a huge win for, obviously, Burton, like I said, rock bottom. Now two wins in their last three matches, and they've closed the gap uh, to two points on Wigan. Still four points from safety. So that was a really good result from them. Doncaster Rovers versus Oxford, another five-goal thriller. Doncaster Rovers won that one 3-2. Great match. Uh, two teams in really, really good form. Doncaster won to make it their ninth win in 10, uh, ending Oxford's 13-match unbeaten run. Oxford had 16 shots, 7 on target. Quite funny that Doncaster had 5 shots, but importantly, they had 3 on target. They had 3 goals. So Doncaster now third, joint points with Hull and 3 games in hand. So they're looking really, really good. And Oxford are mid-table and 6 points off the playoffs. And then the last one, two teams right down towards the bottom of the table, Wigan versus AFC Wimbledon. Turned out it was a 3-2 away win for AFC Wimbledon. Obviously, fight for survival for both teams. It was Joe Piggott's 76-minute penalty that clinched victory and their first win in 12 matches for Wimbledon. Moves them out the drop zone by one point. Swindon now dropped down into the relegation places. Really worrying times for Wigan, not one in five matches, and they're second from bottom. So that's my roundup from League One. Uh, League Two, a couple of matches were the interesting League Two because it's getting a bit messy with number of games played. So you've got quite a few teams with games in hand based on waterlogged pitches, COVID cancellations, etc. So Carlisle, 23 matches they played, Port Vale, 28. So five go- five games difference, for instance. But there were some uh, a few matches on. Exeter played Bradford. Bradford had been on a brilliant run, actually, eight games unbeaten. But Exeter beat them 3-2. Good match. Bradford were 2-1 up at half-time. But a Matt J penalty in the 79th minute was a decider for Exeter. Bradford have gone down to 19th, but they're still 10 points clear of uh, the drop. And based on the way they've been playing, you've got to think they've uh, got a good chance of uh, staying up. And Exeter back up to 5th. And Exeter have got back-to-back wins. So Exeter, the Grecians, look like they might be pushing back up. And then you've got Crawley versus Harrogate. Uh, Harrogate 3-0 up at half-time on a, a brilliant run there. They had Smith sent off in the second half, 67 minutes. So Crawley came back in, but it was a 3-1 win for Harrogate. A very good win, actually. The Crawley boss, John Yems, was critical, more than critical of the first half, said it was farcical uh, and hard to believe that the same team had beaten Leeds recently. So, yeah, what a turnaround for Crawley. Uh, they're 11th, not one in three, and Harrogate have had back-to-back wins. And again, Harrogate now looks safe. And finally, just a quick drop down to National League again. Lots of um, matches cancelled. And there, the variety of games played. 15 games, uh, sorry, 15 games played by one team and 21 games played by a couple of other teams. So a six-game difference, which isn't helpful, really. Weymouth-Bromley, the match I would look at there. Uh, Weymouth clambering their way out of the relegation zone. 2-1 at half-time, that's how it stayed. There was three red cards in this match. Bush and Wakefield for... Bromley and Ngalo in the last minute for Weymouth. Andrew Dallas, a loney from Cambridge, scored the winner. As I say, it takes Weymouth out of the bottom three, but Kings Lynn, uh, who are behind them on goal difference, have got four games in hand. Uh, and Dover have got six games in hand, so it might look like they've uh, crept out of the bottom three, but they might be creeping back in soon. So that's the National League. 
time for a rant. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently this week. You're going to take a rant and then we're going to do a slightly different feature. So what's your rant this week, Dad? Uh, my rant, I think I've done this before actually, last year is just the transfer day deadline mm-hmm. signings last minute. I mean, it's open for weeks, almost months, the transfer deadline. So why on earth do teams, I guess like Liverpool, they went to the last day to sign a couple of centre-halves and yeah. I just don't know why... I mean, either get them, you know, if they're good enough, get them on the pitch and get them playing. Why you would wait till the very last minute? Is it paperwork and fitness? No, I, no. Don't, know. I don't know what it is. It's, I don't know what it is. I mean, Hurahan's been there for three games, got three goals because he got yeah. there a bit early. So, I mean, it just seems a bit daft, really. Okay, right. So, I mentioned last week of fact that loans seem to be the way forward. And looking at the January transfer window in general, the overall trend is that it's mainly loan moves, not many teams actually paying for players and a lot of teams clearing out. Do you reckon that's a mixture? Is that mainly COVID? Is that mainly Brexit? Uh, yeah, it's just COVID, I think. Just the uncertainty, no income from grounds yeah, and okay. uh, merchandise, etc. So I'm going to mention some of the key loan moves within the Premier League. And you just got to say thumbs up or thumbs down if you think they're going to be a good loan move or whether you're not sure and maybe not so much for that player. So, first off, we're going to go for Matt Ryan. Obviously, goalkeeper has gone from Brighton to Arsenal. What do you reckon? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, somewhere in the middle, actually. I think it's... Um, I'm not sure he'll get his place unless uh, Leno's injured. He, yeah, I don't think he's been that fit at the moment. I think he might have started, actually, against Villa. Yeah, he did start against Villa. Yeah. So, I think if he gets a if he gets a game, it's thumbs up. Um, again, a player I don't know much about, Martin Odegaard. I think he made his debut. He came off the suspension for Arsenal against Villa. He's a midfielder, came from Real Madrid, 22-year-old from Norway. Do they need another midfielder? I'm not sure. Any idea on him? I don't know him at all, but um, I think it's good. It's the best is from Real Madrid. He must have something about him, so I'd probably be a thumbs up, I imagine, if they give him a run. Yeah, and then going from Arsenal, so you had Ainsley Maitland-Niles. He's gone from Arsenal to West Brom. Thumbs up for West Brom, thumbs down for Arsenal. I don't know why he's... Over the season, you've seen him play some really good uh, matches, man of the match yeah. a couple of times. So I don't know, I don't know. he just doesn't seem to fit with Arteta's thinking. So thumbs up for West Brom. Again, going to West Brom, you had Snodgrass, who's gone from West Ham, wasn't really getting in the team there, to West Brom. Definite thumbs up, left foot, free kicks, job done. Decent. Again, from Arsenal, Joe Willock uh, has gone from Arsenal to Newcastle. Uh, again, Newcastle need a bit of a lift, so will it, that's a good one for Newcastle. Thumbs up. Yeah, and he got a goal. This is quite an interesting, interesting one, I think. Josh King from Bournemouth going to Everton. And obviously, being Rovers fans, we've seen his career go from uh, Blackburn. Obviously, what do you reckon? Uh, a bit thumbs down. I don't know. King's been a bit strange last few, uh, last couple of seasons or last this season. Not quite got going. And yeah, um, I'm not sure for Everton. They've got enough attacking players but it could work for them but it's a little bit of a thumbs down I think Jesse Lingard obviously gone from Man U to West Ham had a great start well great start yeah massive thumbs up he seems to be uh, really energised and really trying to prove what he can do and then we've got Minamino gone from Liverpool obviously Southampton lost but he did get a goal for them a definite thumbs up again Minamino not really getting in Liverpool's team will get in Southampton's team and will make a difference so very good and then just a couple important ones for Liverpool obviously everyone's been noting the fact their defenders are dropping like flies what do we think about the signing have they actually paid money for Ben Davies from Preston I don't know much about him personally no I'm not sure about Davies actually it must be I mean there's it's great to see them signing a championship player and giving them a chance so I'm chuffed about that to be fair so yeah really good luck to Davies let's see what he does 
And then they've also got on loan Ozan Quebec. He's a 20-year-old Turkish player from Schalke. Don't know much about him, but he's on loan. So you'd think maybe he might be a backup for a backup, potentially. Yeah, looks like it. So overall, seems to be a lot of thumbs up for the loan moose. Definitely. Barnet of the week. Who have you got for your Barnet? I think we've had him before, but based on his performance this season, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, um, yeah. Always has that smart-looking Barnet, but he's 10 league goals, yeah. uh, which is brilliant, really, in his first season. Again, great to see somebody transition from Championship to Premier League successfully, make a go of it, and he uh, seems really confident, really playing well. Uh, scored the winner against Arsenal, so definite Barnet of the week, Ollie Watkins. And then I've gone for, well, he faced Ollie Watkins, actually was probably marking him, but came out second. I've gone for Arsenal centre-back Gabriel, 23-year-old Brazilian. He's been with the club now for six months, and I think only now we've seen his confidence to mix up his barnet, and he's kind of got a two-toned... It is blonde on top, but I'm not like bleach blonde, which I'm appreciating. It's kind of like a subtle gingery look. And it just, you know, not many people are rocking that colour in particular. Makes it easier to spot him as well from the aerial shot because he's got the two-tone look on his barnet. So, uh, yeah, that's my barnet for the week, Gabrielle. Ones to watch for the week. Well, there's uh, for the Premier League, there's obviously FA Cup midweek matches. But then looking to next weekend, Saturday, 12.30, Leicester versus Liverpool. Uh, last time they played each other in November, Anfield, it's 3-0 to Liverpool. But uh, you would think it'd be a closer affair, definitely, this time round. And then also 5.30 on Saturday, gone for Man City versus Tottenham. Tottenham won it 2-0 back in November, with goals from Son and Lo Celso. But again, you wouldn't think it'd be quite so comfortable for Tottenham this time. In the Championship, uh, we've got midweek matches this week, couple. So you've got Reading versus Brentford. As I said before, Reading, oh sorry, Brentford on a 20-game league unbeaten run. Uh, Reading's still fourth, actually, and unbeaten in the last five matches. So that'll be quite an interesting one, hopefully um, a close game. And Reading will be uh, desperate to stop Brentford's unbeaten run. Then on Saturday, you've got Sheffield Wednesday versus Swansea. Swansea in third place on a good run. Sheffield Wednesday, three points from safety now. So they need the points. So that'll be an interesting one as well. Sheffield Wednesday versus Swansea City next Saturday. League one, I've literally got two completely different sides of the table fixtures. You've got midweek, Tuesday, 7pm, Hull versus Lincoln. Obviously, second versus top. A win for Hull would take them top on goal difference. So, yeah, that should be a really good match. And obviously, same time, right down the bottom of the table, we've got Northampton versus Wigan, 22nd versus 23rd. Only three points between them. Uh, Both teams haven't won in their last five matches, so it might be quite a cagey affair. So that should be another really good one to watch. League two. And a bit of National League. So League 2, you've got midweek match Harrogate versus Cheltenham. Let's say they've won the last two Harrogates on a bit of a roll. And Cheltenham have slipped to eighth. Um, Hopefully this match will go ahead. I know the last couple of Cheltenham matches have been cancelled due to COVID. But hopefully they'll be raring to go. And that'll be a a good clash at Harrogate. Then you've got Bolton Morecambe. Bolton, 20th position still. They just never got the season going, really. Still in a bit of a mess there. 20th position. Uh, and Morecambe are in the playoff places, surprisingly, having a good season. So, um, Bolton versus Morecambe, that'll be an interesting one and um, a bit of a North-West derby there. 
And then Saturday, Oldham, 13th, up and down a bit, but a good season for Harry Kewell versus Exeter, who are back to 5th. And the National League just picked, a, you might call it an M25 derby, Boreham Wood at the top of the M25 in 7th place against Sutton, who was 2nd, who were at the bottom of the M25, 60 miles apart. So that'll be an interesting match, Boreham Wood versus Sutton. That's it for this week. We've rounded up the top five English divisions as well as having some rants, some raves and also having a look at the uh, thumbs up and thumbs down for the loan moves. Um, so we'll be back with some more football chants and rants with the plants next week. So we'll see you then.